0: Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. It is a privilege and an honour to be with you here today. Just want to say thank you for the invitation. It's uh, always appreciated. And full disclosure, Craig, I think you've got a sexy voice. It's not just your wife. I'm just saying. Anyway. Hey, I'm only human, what can I say? Anyway, wow, what a a privilege it is to be here with you today. I've got lots to get into, so I'm gonna get straight into it. But just before I do that, uh, my wife, uh, does send her love, our family sends their love and our church family send their love. They said, please give her a big kiss. So mwah, 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 mwah to all of you. uh, I realise I have been here a number of times, but this is a growing church and uh, many of you would not have been here possibly when I was here last. So hi, I'm Tony. Uh, I do have a photo of my family. So I'm gonna quickly throw that up there. This is the the, uh, last time we were together as a family because my son, He's uh, in New Zealand, so this was Mother's Day last year. My hair looked a little bit different. Everyone says, what are you doing with your hair? I don't know, but anyway. (laughs) So there's me and my son, Mitch, at the back there. Uh, There's our new addition to the family, Nathaniel, who's my son-in-law of two years. Uh, He married my oldest daughter, Jordan, who's 24, and uh, they got married in Bali just before lockdown. So uh, great wedding. Fantastic time. If you're looking for a great place to uh, get married, I would say under normal circumstances, Bali would be the place, but not yet. And then uh, there's my beautiful wife and my youngest there, Bailey, we call her BJ. So so that's the Rainbow family, which is just really, really awesome. And uh, the other thing that uh, we are celebrating is not only have we almost been going 28 years, today, today, 28 years ago we planted our church and I think I have a photo of what it kind of looked like back in the day. So, so you've got to start somewhere. You just, you've got to start somewhere. And we've got a lot of photos that uh, aren't great photos, but they've got great memories. Okay, So that was, that was us way back in 1994. Uh, if we panned around, you would have seen an overhead projector you would have seen a keyboard on an ironing board. That's how we started, that was it. That was the only instrument we had, a keyboard on an ironing board. Amazing. And I'll never forget telling the church on our very first Sunday, we may not have much, but we have heart. And God looks at the heart. Isn't it good that He doesn't look at the instruments? We were in trouble. But He looks at the heart. And that was 28 years ago. And uh, we've just uh, had an incredible ride and an incredible journey. And in keeping with the celebratory themes, my wife and I just celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary as well. So so it's been a a time of of celebration for us in Adelaide and and the Rainbow family. And so let me quickly pray and we'll get into it. How's that sound? Father, we just thank you for this incredible opportunity to gather together in the same room, to be able to use technology and join online. And I just pray that whatever I share today would translate to those in the room, to those online, that hearts would be shifted and moved as we fall more and more in love with you. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks team, did a great job. Come on, let's put our hands together for the band. As I just mentioned, we had our 30th wedding anniversary and uh, I wanted to capture the moments that we had. We went to Palm Cove, we were unable to get to Bali. So someone told us to go to Palm Cove. And so if you're looking for a Bali substitute, I would encourage you to go to Palm Cove, it was great. And so I I consider myself a little bit of a photographer. In actual fact, and and please hear me, I do not believe in reincarnation, but if I did, I would wanna come back as me. Because I feel I've got so many lives I could live. There's so many things I could do. I've got so many interests and, 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 and so many things I, I think I'm okay at. And uh, I, and one of those is photography. I like. I consider myself a little bit of a photographer. And so uh, much to my wife's disgust, because it's not just like happy snaps. It's kind of like got to set the mood, set the scene. And so there was this one particular night we were on the beach, and I said, oh, "This and the, and the sun was rising." And it was coming up over the sea. Oh, this would be a great photo opportunity. I had my little trusty tripod. And, and it was a little bit windy, so I made sure it was stable. And I, and I made sure the composition of the photograph was just right. And, uh, and, and, and whenever we take photos, I tell Kath not to start smiling until we count us in. Because if you start smiling the moment I pull the camera out, you're going to be waiting a long time. And you're going to lose a smile. And then it's going kind to of have that tired smile. You know, the one... <laughs> And so, so I said, just, just, just don't, don't smile yet. We'll get you right. We'll get you ready. And I would back, 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 foot, let. And so we were doing all this and, and, and getting in the shot. And then I would have my little trusty clicker to be able to take the photo. And I'd run there. And say, And then we'd do like, three, two, one. That's what we do is weird. And so we took a whole stack of photos, which I was really pleased of. And then I went to the camera to look at the photos that I'd taken. Remember, I was aware that it was windy. So I made sure that the tripod was secure. I I, I was aware of where Kath was in the shot and where I would be in the shot. There was lots of things that I was aware of. The trouble is when I went to my phone and I looked at the photos, guess what? We, the subject matter, were out of focus. And we were all blurry. I factored in a lot of things but we were not focused. I was aware of a lot of elements. I was aware of a lot of things. But the thing that let me down and the thing that ruined the picture was the fact that we were out of focus and the image or the picture was blurry. And so... We redid it and got some good photos, but I felt like God speak to me in that moment. I couldn't help but feel that there was a God drop in that moment that often, often, we are aware of so many things, but at the expense of focus. It's a picture of how people in general and Christians are not exempt of how we are responding to much of what is going on today. Yeah. And as a society, we have a lot more things that we are aware of than previous generations. Yeah. This is largely due to technology and the internet. Let's be honest, if someone comes to you and says, I've got a headache, we feel like we have an answer for them because we've Googled this before. Yeah. And, and we consider ourselves not only pastors or, or not only um, uh, whatever it is that we do, but we consider ourselves doctors and lawyers and all these other things and we give opinions because what we've become aware of on the internet. And, and, and I'm not against information, and I'm not against study, and I'm not against knowledge, and I'm not against greater awareness. In actual fact, I wish some people were more aware And I certainly wish there were some people who are more self-aware. I mean, like self-awareness is like a superpower that's sadly lacking. So please hear me. I'm not against awareness, but it must not be at the expense of focus. See, there's nothing wrong with awareness, but it needs to be with the right focus. Without the right focus, we get distracted by lesser truths. And so in keeping with our series, First Things First, I want to speak a message that I've entitled Finding Focus. If we're talking about what matters most and what are some of the things that we need to do first, and I've been listening online to this series. Week one, we had Pastor Paul speak about the divine supply and then Pastor David on prayer. And then we have the dynamic duo last week speaking about the church. It's amazing, it's amazing to be part of a family that has incredible teaching, but it's got a land. It's not good that we just know stuff. If you want to learn some things and get some knowledge, this is a great church to come to. But I know the hearts of your pastors and that is to go beyond just knowledge, beyond just awareness. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. We want a church that can build up and not just puff up. Are you with me? And so in keeping with this particular subject today, I wanna look at the life of a man by the name of Joseph. And he's an Old Testament hero. He's an Old Testament legend. If you have been a Christian for a number of years and you've read the Old Testament, and I'd strongly encourage you to do that, you'll find that Joseph's one of those good guys. He's one of those amazing characters in the Bible. And I want to pick up the story in the very last chapter. And so before I get to that, I'm going to give you a quick overview of this young man's life. Basically, he was the son of Jacob, and he was the favourite son. Do any of you parents out there have a favourite son or daughter? The answer is no, but we do. (laughs) And and, and Joseph was certainly the favourite. And he had this incredible dream which further inflamed the way the brothers felt about him. When you're the favourite and the brothers know it, that doesn't put you in the good books. And when you have a dream that God gave you and you spurred it to the brothers, that's not going to help matters. But what made it go even worse is what the dream was about. See, Joseph was a man of God, but he lacked wisdom because he was young. And he thought that his brothers would be excited about the dream that he received because he was excited. He did not read the room. Yeah. And so he said, hey guys, guess what? I had a dream and you guys all bowed down and worship me. What do you reckon? <laughs> if you ever have a dream like that, I would say hold on to it because <laughs> it did not go well for him. Eventually, these brothers' jealousy and hatred for him led to him them betraying and ultimately selling him which is tragic. And in that time, he got sold and betrayed by his brothers. Joseph's uh, life follows a series of highs and lows. The highs were high and the lows were low. And he ends up being falsely accused and goes to prison. And one day after being in prison for a number of years, Pharaoh, the leader of the nation that Joseph found himself in, Egypt, had this dream. Now Joseph had gained a reputation of interpreting dreams while he was in prison. Because although ups and downs followed the life of Joseph, God was always with him. And even though Joseph didn't understand fully what was going on, remember this and maybe write this down, God is doing more behind our backs than He's doing in front of our face. And so Joseph in the lowest of lows always found himself focused and faithful in the things of God. And at just the right time, Pharaoh summoned Joseph to his courts to see if he could interpret the dream that Pharaoh had. Long story short, he was able to interpret the dream. Pharaoh promoted Joseph from prisoner to second in charge of all of Egypt. Fast forward there's a famine, not only in the land of Egypt, but in every nation of the world. And every nation in the world was feeling the pinch of this famine. And the answer was found in Egypt. They were the only ones prepared for this famine. And so people groups from all over came to Egypt asking for grain, including those that lived in Israel, which is where Joseph was from. And on one particular day, Joseph's brothers... The ones that betrayed him, the ones that sold him as a slave, find themselves standing in the court in front of Joseph. And they don't recognise him. But immediately, he recognises them. And he has a little bit of fun with them initially, which is quite comical. You can read all of this in Genesis. And eventually, he lets them know who he is. They're shocked. They panic They're terrified. They think he's going to um, ultimately put them all to death based upon the way they treated him. Joseph extends kindness. So much so, he says, how's my father? How's my family? And he brings all his family members from Israel into Egypt. And there they settle. And eventually, after being in that nation for a period of time, Joseph's father, Jacob, passes. And this is where we're gonna pick up the story because the brothers now have a panic attack. Are you with me? Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. "'This is what you are to say to Joseph. "'I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins "'and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. "'Now please forgive the sins of the servant of God, "'your father.' "'When their message came to him, Joseph wept. "'His brothers then came and threw himself down before him. "'We are your slaves,' they said. "'But Joseph said to them, "'Don't be afraid.'" Am I in the place of God? Verse 20, and this is a a well-known passage if you've been in church for a period of time. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of lives of many. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children and He will reassure them and He spoke kindly to them. Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family. He lived 110 years and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. I love this passage of Scripture. There's so much in it. But in keeping with my topic about focus today, I want to highlight a few points. The first one is simply this, that awareness without focus becomes idealistic, not empathetic. See, everyone today has an opinion about things and how they should be done. Now again, in a room full of this many people, I'm sure there are some in this room, no condemnation, but let's be honest, we all have an opinion. And I know for us living in South Australia, we have opinions about our government and what's been going on. I can only imagine after 57 lockdowns in (laughs) Victoria, you've got a few opinions in this room. And I'm not against opinions. I'm all for free speech. I'm all for us having an opinion. But how we have those opinions matters. Because if we're lacking grace, and let's be honest, most of our opinions do lack grace because we base our opinions on what we feel should be done and we get very idealistic. And we don't fully understand all that is at play. Yeah, okay. And so when it comes to speaking about the leader of this nation or the leader of this state or the leader of this church yeah. or the leader of your family, yeah. isn't it amazing? Kids get to get a dad, they just don't understand. Who do they think they are? Yeah. I'm saying, do you realise she's paying the mortgage? Oh, I don't even know what a mortgage is. That's the point. <laughs> There's a lot at play here. And if we're not careful, and all we have is uh, awareness, and all we have is opinions, we can get very idealistic. This is why you should not get vaccinated. This is why you should get vaccinated. Spare a thought for the incredible people that are leading this church, trying to navigate that. And if you have an opinion about what you feel could be helpful in the church, don't be idealistic, because maybe, just maybe, you don't understand or see the full picture. Yeah. Yeah. I don't you. I lead a family of five, which, since my daughter's been married and my son's moved away, becomes a family of three. But leading a family of three is hard. It has its challenges. Leading a family of five when our kids were younger has its challenges. Spare a thought for a Prime Minister who's leading a nation of 25 million people. There may be, just maybe things that you haven't thought about or factored in with your blessed opinion and my blessed opinion. Again, nothing wrong with opinions, but may they not be expense of empathy. What I love about Joseph, when his brothers... Came with this notion that this is what dad said. Now, did dad say that? I don't know. I think they got together and said, He's going to kill us. We better make up a story about what dad said. And what I love is Joseph's response. Whatever the brothers did, and whether that moment was right or wrong, whether their dad really gave them a message or not, the reality is Joseph heard it. And when Joseph heard it, he wasn't mad, he wasn't glad. This is my opportunity. He was sad. The Bible records that Joseph wept. With your opinion about what is going on in the world today, have there been tears? Has there been prayer? Because the last time I read, the Bible didn't say, complain about your leader. Complain about the king's... It says, pray for. So if we are aware of certain things and we will become increasingly aware, then let's not lose empathy. Let's not become less empathetic and more idealistic. Idealism is not the answer. We need grace. We need a few more tears. We need a little bit more empathy in the world today. And if you're still living at home, Spare a thought for mum, for dad, and the decisions that are being made. This flows right throughout. So if you have an opinion and a thought about how church could be managed or done better, you don't just come up and just state your opinion. It's with much prayer, much empathy, that we present requests. Not only before God, but before pastors, husbands, wives, Children, are you with me? Secondly, awareness without focus gets consumed with facts, not faith. Again, everyone has an opinion about what's happening and what's going on in the world today. And with COVID out there and and all the things that are happening and wars and rumours of wars and all those things, we have our opinions. And again, there's nothing wrong with opinions. Opinions. In actual fact, I would say we shouldn't be ignorant. We should actually study up. I was talking to Pastor Craig just last night, and he was uh, uh, reading about the history of the Ukraine and the relationship to Russia. I love that. I'm all for study. I'm all for knowledge. I'm all for getting a little bit of background. But again, let's not be so consumed with the facts that it comes at the expense of faith. Our information should not consume us to the point where we take our eyes off God. What I love about Joseph is that he was aware of his brother's intent. He says, you intended to harm me. Now, now Joseph wasn't just the youngest kid that was ignorant and naive. Some people are ignorant and naive, and it's easy to love and forgive. We just don't know anything. But but Joseph was very aware of their intent. You guys are scoundrels. You you, you, you betrayed me. You let me down. You, You sold me into slavery. I know what you did. He was aware of the facts, but that's not where his focus was. He says, but God intended. Everyone say, God intended. No matter what facts you have right now, no matter what you're aware of that's going on right now, don't let those facts consume you to the point of losing faith. What I love about Joseph, he says, I know what you did. And I dare say he was aware that that thing that they said about the dad isn't even true, but God. God intended. God was working a miracle all those years ago when He gave me that dream. This has not taken him by surprise. COVID has not taken him by surprise. Wars have not taken him by surprise. He's in control, he's sovereign. He's overseeing the affairs of men and women and he's in control and he's in charge. And I wanna tell your life, Melbourne, to focus on Him. Let your focus, let your gaze, let your worship be focused on (laughs) Him. Don't be so consumed with the facts. Genesis 50 verse 20 bears repeating, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. What's that? The saving of many lives. I'm sure there were moments in Joseph's lives where he wanted revenge. I'm sure there were some of those moments, but he was able to place that, come back to Jesus, come back to God and keep His focus. Thirdly, awareness without focus makes us bitter, not better. What I love about Joseph is that he finished well. He finished strong. 110 years of age. Was able to see the second and third generations. What an incredible legacy. A legacy that we're still talking about in 2020. I don't know about you. But the thought of living a ripe old age and seeing future generations impacted, knowing that what life Melbourne did could be talked about a hundred years from now. Two hundred years from now. I don't know about you, but that excites me. Far better that than getting caught up in the cycle of bitterness and cynicism. Unfortunately. Today, we don't see too many examples like Joseph. There's a saying out there, grumpy old men. There's been films made about grumpy old men. Because the tendency is the older you get, the more grumpy you get. The older you get, the more cynical you get. The older they get, the more miserable you get, the more opinionated you get. But I know about you, but I want to break that cycle. I want to get better, not... Bitter. And we see people getting cynical about leadership, church, authority, yeah. marriage. Yeah. People are reluctant to get married. Today. Why? Because they're cynical about marriage. Why? Because of what they've seen. Yeah. And, and it's one thing for someone to get to a ripe old age and, and have a few stories to tell and as a result be bitter. That's one thing. It's not right, but it's one thing. What I don't understand today is how many young people are cynical. What I don't understand is how many young people are bitter. It's, it's happening a lot sooner. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Again, one thing for an old person to be that. But for young people, and that is on the rise. Yeah. And, and so how does all this happen? How, how can we prevent that happening in our lives? Just a few thoughts to help us focus today, Because when it comes to cynicism, where does it start? Well, it starts... We become cynical because we care. I want to say this to encourage you. Most people I know end up cynical because they once cared. We care about people. We make a difference. That's why we volunteered. That's why we said we'd serve. That's why we reached out. That's why we spoke up at university about our faith. Because we cared. You pour yourself out over and over again. And over time you get little. To nothing in return or to say it this way we get bitten and once bitten twice shy when we were in America in 2014 we went over to America with our family and did a six-week trip it was amazing and friends that we have over there made the cheap a lot more affordable by putting us up in homes around the country which is fantastic and one particular place we stayed in LA we were staying this home the owners were on a, a vacation themselves, and so we were able to use their home. They had a big husky dog out the back. They said, look, ignore the dog, he'll be looked after, and uh, don't worry about him. And so we had a week there, had a great time. We're packing our bags, ready to go on to the next uh, trip, which was Hawaii, which was nice. And just before I'm putting my last bag in, the neighbour says, ah, your dog seems to be tied up and whimpering. And I said, look, we don't have a dog. We're here from Australia, but thanks for the us know. I'll let the owners know. So I go into our family and, hey, kids, mum, I said, the dog's tied up. It's whimpering, but please don't try to help it. We haven't met the dog. The dog doesn't know us. Leave the dog alone. I'll phone the owner. I was pretty clear. But Kath, my wife is a strong woman, but she's a caring woman. And so she hears the whimpering and the motherly instincts kicking. And she wants to help this dog. Did I mention it's a big Husky. And it's wrapped itself around the cord and it's just like, mm, 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 mm. so Kat says, I will help it. And so she goes in to help, and guess what? The dog turns on her, puts a big bite in her backside and on her face and neck. She comes in traumatized. I was, I was mad that she didn't listen to me. I, I, was, I was shocked. I was, I was all kinds of things. We had to get some tetanus shots. Thankfully, she was okay. But she got hurt, she got bitten, why? Because she hated, it. no, because she was trying to help. Yeah. That describes probably each and every one of us in this room from time to time. Why did she get bitten? Because she cared. Why did we get cynical? Because we care. We become cynical because we gain knowledge through experience. And knowledge is a double-edged sword, as I've already mentioned, that we need knowledge to grow. We're here today to get knowledge. We need knowledge to grow. But the more knowledge we get, the more pain we experience. See, the problem for everyone in this room is this. You know too much. You know too much. You know too much. Because you know if you get involved and you put your hand up for serving again this year, or if you try and reach out to your friends at university again this year, you know there's some pain attached to that. The knowledge you've gained tells you, I'm going to be hurt and I don't want to be hurt so we put walls up and boundaries in place and say I'm not doing that again yeah. and if we're not careful it can change the way we view people ministry marriage even animals I mentioned Kath got bitten by a husky didn't I? you fast forward a few years later I'd come out of hospital had surgery heart surgery and we'd take another dog for a walk I'd literally been out of hospital a week taken a another dog for a walk and out of nowhere like stealth mode this husky, i have never seen it before, never seen it since. A husky of all dogs, comes out of nowhere and just picks up our dog in its mouth. Have you ever tried to break up dogs when they're fighting? It's horrible. And I've just had surgery a week ago. But I just go into protective alpha male dad mode and no husky is gonna take my little Maltese Shih Tzu <laughs> for dinner, not on my watch. And so I grab our dog out of its mouth. I don't know how I got it out of its mouth. Now, what I'm about to say is going to cause conflict because my love for our little dog caused me to kick the other dog. So I, I, if you're saying, how cool do you animals not? I did it because I love my dog, just so that we we're okay. And so I, I grabbed our dog and I, and I managed to get it out and I'm just making these noises. I didn't know what to do. There's no manual, what do you do? When, I just, and I, I ran in front of this car, put my foot up on the bonnet and caused it to stop. I said, Open your door. And I threw our dog in this complete strangers as I tried to scare off this husky and, and he managed to run off, which was great. Then I got the dog out. Great little story. But then I'm like, where's Kath in all this? My wife froze. She never moved. Why? Why do you think that is? Because what happened? And so she ain't got a lot of time for huskies. It's affected. There was a time she would go and rescue them. Now she can't stand them. And even if her husband's just had heart surgery and is getting mauled by the dog, she's not doing nothing. That's what I learned. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 18 says this, Much learning earns you much trouble. Who wants to learn something? Yeah, I don't know, because it just equals more trouble. It goes on to say, the more you know, the more you hurt. Who says the Bible is untrue, boring, and irrelevant? See, in some ways, ignorance really is bliss. And when we become cynical, we lose hope for the future. And we have a voice inside our head that says it's useless. What's the point? It's a waste of time. They're only going to let me down again. Why? Because we've become aware of certain things. And we've lost our focus. And if that's where you're at, no condemnation. Because I think if we're honest, we've all been there. And there may be times in the future where we'll get there again. That's what I love about the house of God. That's what I love, being part of a Christian community. Because when we're there, there's no condemnation. There's hope and there's help. You see, you've got four options if you find yourself in that place today. You can quit. You can fail. You can self-sabotage. You can stay. Now, I would suggest that staying is better than the previous two, but I don't think it's God's ultimate for us. I know I speak on behalf of pastors Craig and Nadia. They don't want you just staying in church, coming along because you're afraid not to, because you feel you have to. They don't want you staying. You know what they want for you? You know what God wants for you? You know what I want for you? We want to see you thrive. And no matter how you skin this, there's only those four options. You can quit, you can fail, you can stay, or you can thrive. And at the beginning of this new year, I'm here to tell you that God wants you to thrive. The people at Life Adelaide, we want you to thrive. Your pastors, your leadership team, they want you to thrive. Your life is too important to God for you to hold on to bitterness, cynicism, hurt and the knowledge you have and rob you of a glorious, amazing, beautiful, wonderful future. Romans 15 verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love this thought that we can keep coming back to him. Married for 30 years. We've had our moments. But you know what keeps it going? Do you know why I've remained not only married? I I didn't didn't want to stay married. I told Cass from day one, I want to thrive with you. I I want to stay on my honeymoon with you. I want to keep the honey in our honeymoon. I've got lots of thoughts about that. I'm going to write a book on that. I don't want to get old and miserable. I'm happy to get old together, but I don't want to be old and miserable. I don't want to be old and bitter. I want to get old with you, but I don't want to get old and bitter. Old and cynical, old and miserable. I want to keep falling in love with you and say, you know what I do? I keep going back to her. Oh, I was an idiot. Hey, babe, I'm so sorry. What I don't do is go to all my friends and tell them about what my wife did. I go back to her. And so it is my relationship with God. You are not looking at a perfect pastor. Far from it. In actual fact, if you compare me to your pastor, he comes out looking far better than I do. I've made way too many mistakes in 28 years. But you know why I'm still here? You know, I I keep going. Because no one's ever betrayed me. No one's ever said a bad word. Oh, I wish that was true. I've just lost count. I've just lost count of that. The reason I'm still here is I just keep coming back to God. I get hurt. I get beaten up. My heart aches and I just take my aching, breaky heart <laughs> to God. and said, oh, if you can do anything with this. I said, sure. I can do everything with that. God can do anything with what you bring to him. What he can't do is what you don't bring to him. See, there is some things God can't do. If you say, I will not, he'll, he'll let you live in your will not. But if you come and say, oh, I messed up again, I'm so sorry. Had a moment in the Clark home, it was a great picture. One of the children. I'm sorry, Mum. I'm sorry, Mum. I, I love that. They come back and we come back. We're not looking for perfection. We're looking for reality. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.